daddy will watch you. Hello, friends. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 99. Today, we're going to party like it's episode 99. Uh. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I mean, I can believe it. We've been editing <laughs> all of these and... I mean, it feels like we've done 99 episodes. Yes. But still, <laughs> it's it's very exciting. I've aged 99 episodes, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, but yes, it's... Oh, oh uh, we no. can't get excited yet, because we gotta get excited no. next episode 100. Yeah, we'll get excited next week. For now, I'm Sam. This is Allie. Let's be mundane. Let's just do a normal episode. Hi, we're doing a normal episode. It's I'm Horrified. We talk about things. No big deal. Not a huge deal. We've never made a big deal out of it. But next week. Next week, I'm gonna freak out. Huge deal. Freaking out next week. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. But today, we're gonna be droll. Just normal as hell. Norm core. Norm core. Um, Allie, what are you gonna talk about today? I'm gonna talk about, today I'm gonna talk about a female serial killer named Belle Gunness. Ooh. I keep, I keep wanting to say Guinness, cause I look at the name Gunness, and I'm like, Guinness? Yeah, it's a G and an S. No. Belle Gunness. Different lady. Than Belle Guinness, who I assume was a, Oh, she's a different lady, alright. A right. jolly Irish woman. Yeah, she didn't murder anyone. Good for her. <laughs> I, I hope. <laughs> there could be another serial killer named Belle Guinness, and in hell they're both like, oh, yeah, I always get your mail. Oh my god, so um, funny. You know, but what are you going to talk about? Um, I'm also going to talk about a historical figure. His name is George Streeter. Streeter? Streeter. Is he bad? Yeah. Two bads. Two bad, two bad peeps. Two bad Mine people. is less bad than yours, I would say. Okay. Because yours is a murderer. Yes. Um, my, my man just loves a fib, you know? A liar. He's just a liar. Just a liar. If I had to choose between spending a day with a liar or a murderer, I think I'd choose a liar. Oh, totally disagree. Oh. Um, no, yeah. Pitch, I mean, Pitch me the murderer, then. I'm with liars all the time. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I feel like everyone's lying to me. I want something fresh, something new. Uh. If I could spend the day with, like, a known murderer... I wouldn't be, like, excited to spend time with them because of their personality, but I would be curious as to what they're like. But what if they murder you? <sighs> well. <laughs> That's in their character. Curiosity killed the cat, I That's suppose. they always say. And Belle Guinness, Gunness, Gurness? <laughs> Incidentally, she killed um, adults and children. Oh, good. So, <laughs> so not the cat. At least she buried it. Um, um, yeah. Allie, talk to me about this bad, bad lady. Let's talk about her. Um... I just really wanted to do a serial killer this week. Like, I just went in, and at first I was thinking, oh, it's our 99th episode, so I, should I, like, do something from 1999 or 1899? Oh. oh. I, that didn't happen. No. That date's not related to her at all. But I think I was looking up sort of sepia-toned serial <laughs> killers, and Belle came up, I came across her, um, and I was like, oh, lady serial killer, she'll do, she'll do. I think I've done... We did a Nanny Doss episode. Yeah, Nanny Doss was the drunk episode I talked about Yes, her. yes. And then there was an. I feel like there was another one. Oh, I'm sure. So this is just another. This is just an, a continuing the journey. I do like her flavor, though. She's got her own flavor, and oh. I'm like, okay, yeah, I like it. I also really liked her name, Belle Gunness. It kind of sounds like Annie Oakley or it something. Does. Um, but Annie Oakley didn't murder anyone for insurance theft. So. Oh, God. It's okay. Oh, my. Um, I also have to say... <laughs> I realized this when I was researching. I feel like almost every female serial killer had a reason for killing people, which makes me feel like you aren't a serial killer. Like, I feel like you're definitely, <laughs> no, like, hear me out. You're definitely a murderer. Mm -hmm. You're definitely, like, a whack job. But when I think serial killer, I think someone with, like, a genuine 
lust for blood. They just love the game. Yeah, I feel like if Dahmer got an insurance payout after he murdered and ate someone, he'd be like, mm, it just takes the fun out of it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like women are just like, I've, you know, never really loved particularly the part where I had to cut everyone's limbs off, yeah. but... I don't know what to sell. Like, I, yeah. I don't have any financial security. Yeah, I do love money. I do what I gotta do. Yes. Um, it, do- it doesn't ever feel like a woman's just killing to kill. Interesting. And men are, like, seemingly always doing just that. Just killing for the love of the game. For the love of the game. Um, I don't feel like she's doing that. But maybe she liked it. Maybe she's like, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a living, but, you know, <laughs> I, li- I, I love what I do. They always say do what you love. And exactly. it never feels like you go to work. And then you won't work a single day in your life. <laughs> Um, so maybe she did that. Anyway, oh any what? She was born in 1859 in Norway to a very poor family. Um, I don't really know how many people are poor in Norway. What poor, being poor in Norway is, poor in the 1800s, way. bad. Bad. Poor way. <laughs> that wasn't, I'm sorry. But it seems like a kind of, it seems like a socialist country where it's like, even if you're really poor, like, it's not that bad. Yeah, I don't I know mean, if that's the case that's said with, like, absolutely zero knowledge. Yeah. But. I think it's probably never good to be poor and then being poor in the past is even worse because everything's worse in the past right and i also feel like everyone was poor in the past it's like even the richest person didn't have like good toilet paper there you go right um a big simplification of history (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so she did not come from a good kind of situation she was the youngest of eight children um she just didn't have a good childhood Mm -hmm. as she recounted um, and she was well known because of her imposing size. So she was Ooh. five nine, which I don't think is that imposing. But um, she was apparently like extremely strong and sturdy. Like people would be like, "Oh, there's." <laughs> I don't think her name was Belle. I think her name was something else. Um, but there was a. But yeah, so she was extremely strong, and she also had a reputation for just sort of having unfortunate circumstances follow the people she met. So there was one unverified story that she was 18 and she was pregnant and she was at a dance and a boy, I don't know if this is true, this is horrific if it's true, um, kicked her in the stomach and she miscarried her child. And then really soon after that boy mysteriously died of what was assumed to be stomach cancer. So that was like a tale from her childhood. Interesting. Anyone who wrongs this woman. Gonna end up dead. Is gonna be dead. But I mean, if you did that to me, I'd probably give you stomach cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Strychnine poison you or something. Yeah. I'm sure everyone else she murdered didn't deserve it. But that guy might That guy deserved it. Yeah. Um, Not all men, but definitely that guy. Also, we don't want anyone to murder anyone. Yes. At the end of the day. At the end of the day, don't murder anyone. Not worth it, you guys. (laughs) What if you have to? But it's not worth it. But don't. But don't do it. But if you must. We will be so mad if you do that. We would. We would. Don't tell us about it. (laughs) Don't bring us in on it. No. But if someone's got to go, they've Sam. Go. <laughs> Have you ever listened to Goodbye Earl by the Dixie Chicks? That, that's the one circumstance <laughs> in what, yes. So, but yeah, no matter what she was going through, she was always dreaming of wealth. She loved money. She loved the idea of money. She loved rich lifestyles. I do too. Yeah. Money is fantastic. That's all relatable. Um, so far, I'm just relating to this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, where do you go if it's the late 1800s? Hundreds? Where do you go if it's the late 1800s, you gotta make a gosh darn fortune, somewhere with a burgeoning marketplace, 
from Norway, where are you going to immigrate to? From Norway? I don't know a lot about that area world. My first thought was, like, the gold rush. You go to California. She came to America. Okay. America. Counts. It's like the guy, the poor Italian guy on the Titanic. He's like, I'm going to go to America. Mm-hmm. And then he has a death scene. It's not even in the final Oh, in Titanic, cut. yes. Uh, yeah, it's like in the extended James Cameron t- cut. And he's like falling in love mm-hmm. with like some Russian girl. But like they both drown. Mm-hmm. Or like he's shot while he's drowning. I do think that is happens. I thought for a second you were referencing my favorite SNL sketch of all time, which is uh, Justin Timberlake's great-great-great-grandfather and Andy yes, Samberg's great-great-great-grandfather. Yes, absolutely. That's also a good Meeting one. on the boat to the new world. To the new world, yes. Or um, an American tale. Or an American tale. Or the sequel, American Tale, Five Will Goes West. Yes. <laughs> what are we talking about? Um, now that we moved away from each other, I do look out my window and go, Somewhere out there. Beneath the pale moonlight. And I put my hand on the window and I imagine you're doing the same. I am doing the same. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Ah! <laughs> uh, what are we talking about? I forget. This murderer. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> she's going to America. She's in America. She's More specifically out. Chicago. She goes to Chicago. Um, she moves there in 1883, marries her first husband, Mad Sorensen. So Sorensen, I'm assuming Norwegian. Um, she marries him in 1884. Mm-hmm. Mads is not long for this world. Mads. But, you know, we'll get to that. So they had four children and adopted a few. They opened a candy store. Oh! Isn't that fun? That sounds like a really fun, fun thing. fun, right? That's great. A candy store. It's so fun. Well, it wasn't very successful, and oh. not long afterwards, both the candy store and their house mysteriously burned to the ground. Yikes. But it's okay, because they had insurance policies on those properties. Oh, so Which, of that's course, fine. of course they would have, right? Yeah, yeah they're family men. Yeah. Family women. Um, so that's lucky. Oh, and two of their children died tragically. Oh. That's sad. But what are you going to do? It's the 1800s. Yeah. Um, oh, but they did collect life insurance policies on their young children. Because they had life insurance policies on their young children. So that's weird. Well, they're, res- they're responsible parents. Yeah, of course. Like, that's what you do. Yeah. Right. None of this so, is weird yet. No. Um, here, I have a new, th- there's another anecdote part of this. Um, this is a quote from legendsofamerica.com. Oh. Which they thought she was a legend, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they say, on July 30th, 1900, Albert Sorensen, on the, blah, 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 on the one day his two life insurance policies overlapped, died. <laughs> the first doctor to see him thought he had suffered from strychnine poisoning. Uh. However, the Sorensen's family doctor had been treating him for an enlarged heart and concluded that the death has been co- had been caused by heart failure. An autopsy was considered unnecessary because the death was not so- thought suspicious, even though they had first thought it was strychnine poisoning. Yeah, wow. Though her husband's family demanded an inquiry, claiming Belle had poisoned her husband to collect the insurance, no charges were filed. In the end, she was awarded $8,500, about 240000 today. Wow. With which she bought a farm on the outskirts of LaPorte, Indiana. It was reported that both the boat and the carriage houses burned to the ground shortly after she acquired the property. A lot of fires follow this lady. There's so many fires. Yeah, so it just feels, like, bold. <laughs> it feels bold. Right? But, I mean, what I'll say is, it seems like she's really started over her life. This yeah. is a clean slate, it And also, like. like, the thing about living during this time is, like, sometimes your house burns down. And then sometimes, like, three of your children die from, like, diphtheria in the yeah. same month. Like, it, 
it, like life was garbage back then. Yeah. So if I looked at that, maybe my first thought wouldn't be, oh, she's murdering. No. It'd be like, bad luck. I'd be like, oh, well, that's only a little bit worse than everybody else's life. <laughs> yeah. People didn't know about, like, fire safety. No. Or, like, The whole of belts. Chicago built, burned down at one point. Exactly. And people were dropping, like, flies without even being murdered. Yeah. So, yeah. But let's just, like, keep seeing what else happens. And Belle's crazy life. <laughs> I'm going to assume she retires to that farm she just bought, raises a few horses, lives a happy life, dies in her bed. Yeah. Well, you know when people would be like, oh, that, like, our dog, like, went to the farm. Yeah. But they meant, like, oh, it died. died. It's like, oh, like, our, you know, <laughs> our wealthy son or our wealthy <laughs> widowed father went to the farm. Oh, no. But they don't come back from the farm. Yikes. So... She takes her dead husband money and mm-hmm. goes to Indiana. She buys her farm. She marries a man she knew from Chicago, Peter Gunnis, where she takes her name. Mm-hmm. He was a butcher, and he died eight months after they were married oh. um, in a freak accident reaching for a meat grinder on oh. a high shelf. So that's too bad. So it, like, fell on him? Yeah, I guess. Hikes. Um uh, Incidentally, one of Belle's children um, at the time told a classmate that uh, mommy hit daddy on the head with a meat cleaver. Oh. But kids say the darndest things. <laughs> they do. They do. They, um, they don't understand. They can't understand death. Yeah. And so apparently the townsfolk were like, she murdered him. <laughs> <laughs> like a bunch of people were like, we think she murdered him. Like we don't think that he died from that. Yeah. And she was brought in for questioning and she was just like, it's just, it's crazy. And they were like charmed by her. <laughs> like she clearly had some kind of, je ne sais quoi about her because people would just like they'd be like oh this seems fishy and then they'd go talk to her and they'd be like this is fine yeah um this is fine it's fine it's fine um so but yeah she was so convincing they just let her go the main takeaway here is that Belle Gunness is now a free agent again but her bed will not be empty for long oh um I have another excerpt um, in 1907, she employed a farmhand, Ray Lamphier, to help with the chores. However, word soon spread that her relationship with Lamphier was more than strictly professional. When drinking, Lamphier often boasted of sleeping with his employer, which came as a surprise to those who only saw Belle as the burly woman who liked to dress in men's overalls and do her own hog butchering. <laughs> Same. <laughs> What a series of descriptors. Yeah. If you're not doing your own hog butchering, it's like, it's 2020. That does feel like something that, like, a wellness guru would say now. Like, Annabelle Porter from Parks and Rec would be like, have you, you heard... You have to butcher your hogs. ...about custom hog butchering? Exactly. Um, so it goes on to say, but there was another side to the woman that Lamphere saw, and soon the local folk would as well. Lamphere would not be enough for Belle. She wanted something... I also am imagining Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Um, she wanted something more and soon began to look for new suitors by inserting the following advertisement in the Lovelorn column of the newspapers in large Midwestern cities. So this is the... This is her ad. Personal. Comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in LaPorte County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided... With view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow the answer with a personal visit. Oh. Triflers need not apply. Amen. 
She knows what she wants. Yes. And then it goes on to say several middle-aged men of means responded to Gunnis's ad within no time, and Belle was often seen going for carriage rides with strangers on Sunday afternoons. On those occasions, Belle was wearing the finest clothing and her hair was adorned in the latest styles. Usually accompanied by a handsome man, she was unrecognizable from the rough farm woman the locals were used to seeing. So there's so much to unpack here. So she like, <laughs> Where she do like we start? took down her ponytail and took off her glasses. And it's like, oh my god, she's beautiful. Like, she's beautiful. Her personal ad is fire. Yeah. The fact that she has this like, this rough farmhand to be <laughs> her slam piece. Yes. And she's also using her sexual prowesses to reel in unsuspecting victims like a Venus flytrap. Yes. This is an energy. Yes. I don't know if it's a good energy, a bad energy. Like, it's an energy. And her slam piece sees her as a rough farmhand, and he wants to slam anyways. Yeah, he's like, I don't want the... Glamour girl. I don't want the comely widow. I want the homely widow. Yeah, give <laughs> Which me is it. the opposite of comely. Is it comely um, or is it comely? I think of... I think of it as comely, but I could be wrong. I could also be wrong. I don't know. Guys, I have tweet- no opinions on the matter. Just tweet at us. I think... Comely sounds weird. Okay. But comely could sound weird. That sounds weird to you? I just keep thinking about ejaculate. I also do, but isn't that hot? <laughs> Fair enough. And sort of enticing? Fair enough. That's why I kind of think it fits. Um, <laughs> but with, yeah. With Belle, absolutely. <laughs> with Belle, obviously. But yeah, like, I also just love, like, that one minute she's hog butchering, and then the next minute <laughs> the townsfolk are like, she looks great. Oh my god, she's hot. <laughs> she definitely murdered her husband before, but she she looks so good right now. Yeah. Like, they can't even help but be like, she looks amazing. <laughs> um, Alright, so she's fleecing these men who are responding to her personal ads, um, and, like, they're just bringing, they're bringing cash to her, she pockets the cash, and then murders them and buries them in her yard. Like, that's it. What? Yeah, she pockets the cash and she just kills them. Oh. Um... Oh, did I not make that clear? No. So that's what she's doing. Like, she's... So basically what she's doing... I thought maybe she was, like, getting them to pay for expensive dates and then sending them home. No. So she's... What she's... She's playing a much shorter game. Yeah. Than yeah, that. no, it seems pretty So A-B. she would bring the guys over and they, she would say in the letters, let's get married and join our fortunes together, mm-hmm. basically. Um... So bring, like, empty your savings, bring your savings here, and this will be our estate, because I already have this estate. And they're like, great. Sounds good. So they come with their entire savings, like, in cash, and then she murders them by poisoning them, and then she cuts their bodies up and, and buries them in the farm. So she's not just butchering hogs. No, sometimes she would feed them to the hogs, though. <gasps> she was too lazy to bury them. I think I wrote that later. Oh my god. Um, but here's one of, I have one of the letters she wrote. <laughs> this letter got a man to go. Get murdered. Offer himself up for pig breakfast. Ah. To the dearest friend in the world. <laughs> no woman in the world is happier than I am. I know that you are now to come to me and be my own. I can tell from your letters that you are the man I want. It does not take one long to tell when to like a person. What? Um, and you I like better than anyone in the world. I know. That was a needlessly long sentence. (laughs) Just like, I like you. Think how we will enjoy each other's company. You, the sweetest man in the world. We will be alone with each other. Can you conceive of anything nicer? I think of you constantly. When I hear your name mentioned, and this is when one of the dear children speaks of you, or I hear myself humming it with the words of an old love song, it is beautiful music to my ears. 
My heart beats in wild rapture for you, my Andrew. His name is Andrew. Yeah. I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. <gasps> that is good. It's good, though. That is good. It's really good. Writing. If I were a needy old man, or even a middle-aged man. I'd get an erection. I'd be hard. I'd empty my savings account. And I would fucking go to Indiana. I'd run to Indiana. Absolutely. Same. That is good. It's a good letter. Wow, Belle. Yeah. I hope Chris doesn't, um, like, listen to this episode, because I'm going to put this in his Valentine's Day card next year. <laughs> you yeah. <laughs> and then see if he's like, oh, babe. And then be like, I can murder you. It mentions, um, like, when the children speak of you, and he's like, you mean our mutual friends? Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, come prepared to stay forever. <gasps> stay forever, but, like, in the ground. That is yeah. so punk rock. They Let's did. Real. St- they did stay forever. Yeah, but that's hot, though. And she is excited um, to get them alone. That's the craziest thing. Nothing, it, nothing, nothing in lie. that letter is a lie. Nothing is a lie and she does love them more than anything in the world because they bring money to her she loves money more than anything in the world yeah she really can't wait to see andrew alone she cannot wait i bell so yeah this goes on and on and her slam piece as i mentioned ray lamphere is getting increasingly jealous of her many suitors oh interesting does he know that she's murder and butchering them unclear as of now interesting but I'll let you draw your own conclusions the more mm. I tell you. Um, so Ray is obsessed with her, and he has this outburst <laughs> over her most recent fiancé, Andrew Helgelian. I, that's the only way I can think to pronounce it. It must be. And so she fires him dramatically and like, <gasps> sends her from the house. Sends him from her house. It's her house. It's her house. Um, from her dead husband money. Yeah. <laughs> There's a million other dead husbands in the lawn. You kill your own husband, um, right? If you want a house. <laughs> um, so not too soon after this, Helgelian goes missing, obviously. Um, and this time his brothers come to the town and are like, where is he? It feels like most of the time, like these guys and their families like they'd be like oh hey did like this guy like did our dad ever go to your farm and she'd be like no and they'd be like oh okay sorry to bother you and like never ask (laughs) any more questions um but at this point the brothers are really asking she's in a little bit of hot water because they're like we know he was with you like we have these letters like we just know that he was here um so it is interesting like what you said sam is he in it or not that what happens next happens when it does so bell starts telling people that and the police, so townsfolk and police, that Ray is making threats to her life. So she says specifically that he said he's going to cut her up and burn her house down. Which is, as we know, two things she enjoys doing. Yeah, and now a little while after that, she and her children are cut up and their house is burned down. Now, well, at least we think so. <laughs> They're cut up? What? Yeah, so we know that, unfortunately, her children definitely were murdered. Oh. And, like, just burned in a fire. Because we knew that was the, the, and we know she doesn't care about that. Yeah. Um, but before you're like, oh, that's so sad. I mean, it is so sad. Yes. This was in the 1800s. I don't know how sad to be about it. Like, yes, it's sad, but it's more part of the plot at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, but so the woman who's cut up and burned a lot not alive dead just burned just burned bad saying burned it's so violent i hate saying it burning but that's what happens what happened um well this part's not so great uh so the woman that is in this mess doesn't have a head okay so they're like we think it's her 
but here's the thing. Doesn't have a head. She doesn't have a head. Makes sense so, to be her. It's in her house. Yeah, it's her house. It's her children. We think it's her. And Ray is arrested. And he says, oh, no, it isn't her. She did all of this. And that's not her. That's another woman that she found who she is, like, faking her own death with. And she told me about all of this. And she said that we were going to run away together. And now she's trying to pin it on me. Oh, shit. And they're saying, well, aren't you saying that because you just don't want to take the fall for this? Yeah. But doesn't this kind of sound like something she would do? Like I said, two of her favorite things to do are this is my murder point. people and burn stuff down. Mainly her own children. Her own children. <laughs> and townsfolk. Um, but yeah, no, like, that's what, like, that's what Ray told them is that that's what happened. And he was adamant about it to, like, the very end. Um, but they couldn't prove anything either way. And so he went to jail and, yeah... Um, oh the, the brother of that last guy, uh-huh. <laughs> who people actually cared about, um, the Norwegian guy, he, they finally got the police to investigate her farm, and then they just found, like, 40 bodies. Holy Just, shit. like, bodies everywhere. Like, one of her adopted daughters, she said that she went to college. No, her body was in the farm. Um, and so, Ray told the police eventually that he had helped her bury many of the bodies, okay. and, like, told them more about like he's the one who said like yeah sometimes she'd cut them up and bury them sometimes she'd just feed them to the pigs so they got details about what she would do from him later on but he ended up being the only one who took the rap for anything oh my god because you know they they said no this is her and she's dead and we buried her and she was pronounced dead but Many people said that they saw her in different cities in America. Oh my god. Someone who was said to have looked like her but was under the name Elizabeth in California. Some people say that that was her. Oh my god. But like under a different appearance. Um, But we will never ever know if she died headless or if she just kept on keeping on. on. Uh, Hell's Bell. Lady Bluebeard, Belle Gunness. Shit! The ultimate Black Widow. The end. Boom. I'm most horrified in this whole thing. I'm horrified by the deaths of the children. I'll put yes, that on the table. Again, I, like, I, I obviously, <laughs> I don't want to be cavalier. No, it's bad. But also, if you're, like, getting actually emotional about anyone who died before, like, I don't know, like, 1920? I don't believe you. Yeah. It I'm happened sorry. a while ago. I'm really sorry. But the, to me, this, the second most horrifying thing is that we we don't know what happened. We don't know. She could have gotten away with it. We can't know. And I fucking bet she did. I have this... I, I feel like... This is my, like, conspiracy conspiracy theory. Yes. Is that... Ray was just going to take the fall for her no matter what mm-hmm. because he loved her so much. Wow. He was so obsessed with her. But then he decided not to because I guess he sold her out. But maybe he was trying to fake out the police. Like, he's like, I'm going to say that so they don't think that it's true because they think I'm trying to get out of it. Yeah, but it is true. But it is really true, but I'm happy to sit in jail because I love her so much. I love you, baby. Hog butchering, hot, tall lady. Oh, my God. I'm love imagining, it. like, Charlize Theron. Like, just... Yes. Gorgeous, tall... Who incidentally played Eileen Warnos. 
another female serial killer. Um, female serial killer, yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Holy shit is right. And again, Eileen Warren, I was like, she was a serial killer, but, like, she killed people who, like, wronged her. Yes. That doesn't feel John Wayne Gacy style to me, who's <laughs> just like, I'm just slaughtering teenage boys for the, you know, erotic fun of it. Yeah, for just for the thrill. Exactly. Fair enough. But we'll never know Holy what shit, became of Belle. At least she's dead now. For sure. And thank goodness. And thank goodness. She deserves to be dead. Like so are most of the people who knew her, either at her hand or otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, yikes. Oh my god. That is crazy, crazy. Allison. Thank you for sharing. Crazy one. A crazy one, but I enjoyed. Oh my god. Let's talk about your bad man. He is not even on the the bell gonna scale. This is gonna be a huge letdown now. This is a huge letdown. (laughs) uh, We like a liar. It's nowhere near that. Yeah, no, he's a liar. Um... So, it's funny that Belle kind of got her start in Chicago, because this is also a Chicago story. And I was in Chicago this past weekend with my trivia team at a national competition. Uh, we came in 200th. That is not important. What matters is that you ranked nationally. <laughs> there you go. Well, you just pay to go. You don't qualify. You're nationally ranked. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I am one <laughs> yes. of the 200th best trivia people in the world, but also with teams. Mm-hmm. So what is important is that the next day when we were in Chicago, we did a hop-on, hop-off bus tour. I love those. Guided by a man named Lance. And Lance was our friend, um, and he is the person who introduced us to my topic this week. So thank you, Lance. Thank you, Lance. Lance in Chicago on the Big Bus Hop-On, Hop-Off tour, if you happen to listen to this podcast, isn't that crazy that I was on your bus? That is, I mean, that would be exciting for him, I'm sure. Please. Did you, did you tip this man? We did, yes. Good. Handsomely? Yes, we loved, Lance was our friend. So today we're going to talk about a character of a man who was actually foundational um, to the Chicago we know today. And his name is George, quotes, Captain Streeter. Um, So Streeter was born in 1830s Flint, Michigan. And he was a man of many trades, including a salesman, a Civil War soldier, the owner of a traveling circus, a logger, a miner. This is too much stuff to do. Yeah. Most notably, he was not actually a captain. Um, As Lance told us, he just owned a boat. (laughs) I mean, if I owned a boat, I would just be like, I'm captain of this boat. Yeah. At the very least. There you go. Um, so he is basically just living this, this life of many interests and, and, and occupations. And then as the legend goes, during a storm on July 10th, 1886, Captain Streeter ran his boat, the 35-ton Rutan, onto a sandbar. And this was about 500 feet off Chicago's North Shore, near the foot of Superior Street. And so Streeter was not able to move the ship, uh, cause it was giant and stuck on the sandbar. Yeah. And so the a nearby property owner, whose name was N. Kellogg Fairbank, uh, was just basically like, okay, yeah, just leave your boat there until you can get it repaired. Like, I understand that you can't move it right now. I won't freak out. Um, N.K. Fairbank would live to regret <laughs> that he allowed that boat um, to stay there. So what Streeter ended up claiming was that he had landed on this sandbar, this land, that wasn't actually part of Chicago. It was therefore his independent United States District of Lake Michigan. Wait. And he was in charge of it. And it was not subject to the laws of Illinois or Chicago. Wait. (laughs) He said, this sandbar is mine. Oh my god. Um, And the land itself was mostly like a weird swampish area that kind of used to exist between actual Chicago and Lake Michigan proper. 
So at first people were kind of like, yeah, you can fucking hang out in the swamp if you want, George. Like, no one's telling you you can't. Whatever. Do do whatever. It, for a while, it's fine. Keep in mind, the Great Fire of Chicago had happened in 1871. So there's actually still a lot of cleanup and reconstruction happening because the whole city had just burned right. to the ground. What year is this happening? This is the 1880s. So, oh my god, so, um, what's-her-face is hanging around in Chicago right now? They could have been friends. They probably they were. Have, they probably were friends. They both sound like characters. Yeah, I bet they really got along. Um, but like you're swindling the government, I'm swindling and murdering every man that I meet. There you go. <laughs> and, and they were like, real recognizes real. Yeah. Also, um, are you single? <laughs> and he was like, no. <laughs> um, he wasn't. He was married to a woman that he referred to as Ma. Which Gross. is old-timey. Gross. That's a fun old-timey nope, thing to call not, your wife. it's not fun. It's not fun to me. <laughs> Fair I enough. don't even think, and I know that everyone's parents do this, is like you refer to yourself as like mommy and daddy like in front of your small mm-hmm. children. I don't even know if I can bring myself to do that. <laughs> I feel like half the time it's just because you're tired. So you're like, mommy has to go do this. Daddy will watch you. Oh, I'll definitely refer to myself as mommy. Like, I refer to myself as mommy now. Like, ugh, mommy needs some wine. <laughs> even though I'm not, you know... A mother. A mother. I feel like I have the burdens of a mother. Amen. Amen, sister. Anyways, so Chicago is still recovering from the Great Fire. And since kind of cleanup had begun, they were kind of like, where should we put all this stuff? Maybe into Lake Michigan, which is what every city on a lake does. They do do that. <laughs> it's famously what anybody who has a lake for at least a few years was like, let's just fucking dump it in the lake. Also, it sounds really mean, but I've been to like, I've been to Lake Michigan. I've seen Lake Michigan from Chicago and it looks like the ocean. It does. It's giant. You just look at it and you're like, well, that must be the ocean. So if I put some stuff in there, it's probably fine. It matter. Yeah. It's just going to go it's away. It's not like if you can, if you look at a lake and see the other end of it, mm-hmm. don't put your stuff in there. There you go. But, um, Captain Streeter is like, this isn't waste disposal. This is an opportunity. Oh boy. And so he goes to all the contractors in Chicago and he's like, yeah, take all kind of the backfill and the rubble and you can dump it in my new United States District of Lake Michigan. No, but it's not. Again, it's not. It's just a sandbar off the coast of Chicago, but and not even off the coast. Again, 500 feet. So like, not a far. Still pretty Chicago. It's still Chicago. But he's like, this is my district and you please come out and dump all this rubble here. And so people are like, yeah, fuck it, whatever, <laughs> whatever, Captain Strader, sounds good. But it ends up kind of building up the land and it connects where the Rutan is beached to the rest of the city. The landmass grows oh my God. onto the end of Chicago. And so um, Streeter, again, is a businessman and he's like, well, my land, my United States District of Lake Michigan has continued to expand. There's quite a bit of land here now. I'm going to sell deeds to it. And so he starts selling the land to people like, yes, you may have a corner of Chicago for yourself to live upon. No. No. And I, Captain Streeter, the owner of this land, am happy to sell it to you. Who's intervening? What's happening here? I know. And and, uh, I just want to pause really quick just to be so crystal clear about something. Streeter is a con man and a liar. So he, A, had lied about his discovery of the District of Lake Michigan, um, there was no storm on July 10th, 1886. There was nothing in, like, any of the weather reports. And he also had not really believed he could fill in the shoreline. And then he knew he couldn't really claim the land. His kind of plan was to be so annoying to the people that really owned that land as Reconstruction was happening that they would pay him off to leave. That's what he thought he was going to do. And then we got in a, into a producer's <laughs> style 
<laughs> Who's a mawats? There you go. Um, yeah, one of the contractors who was filling in, like, portions of the shoreline on Streeter's order had said that Streeter had said to him, they, the owners of the shoreline, will have to buy us off and we'll get a million out of it. So that was his original plan in reality. Um, it was an elaborate scheme to steal valuable shoreline property. He never crashed his ship and he absolutely took advantage of Fairbanks when he was like, yeah, you can leave your crashed ship here for, for a little bit. Like he knew I'm going to fuck this guy over. Um, and so he in, also started insisting he had a title to the shoreline. He had like a forged land title and would be telling the story of crashing the ship. He was like really making his own myth. And then he started collecting property taxes from the people who live in the Lake District of Lake Michigan. This is big Leonardo DiCaprio and Catch Me If You Can energy. Yeah, it really is. So when he starts collecting taxes from the land, that really rubs N.K. Fairbank the wrong way. <laughs> so um, that summer, he's like, you are an illegal squatter. You have to leave. Streeter is like, I have this shotgun. You have to leave. So Fairbank <gasps> leaves. Uh, and then constables come in and they're like, you have to leave. You are an illegal squatter. It's like, you gotta stop being And Streeter this way. is like, again, I have a gun. So the constables get chased away. What the fuck? Somebody, somebody do something. <laughs> I know. And every time any authority figure tries to kind of walk into this lake, like district of Lake Michigan and evict Streeter, like they are literally chased away with gunfire and pots of scalding water and the people that he sold these leases to are kind of backing him because they're like, yeah, this is our land. Fuck you. This is my land now. This I bought land it. Is your land. This land is my land. I own it. Yeah. I paid for it. They're like, I, I bought it. it from this guy. And they're like, this guy does not own the land. And the people are like, well, I bought it this from this guy. This is literally like the 2016 election. Yeah. It literally is giving me flashbacks because it's just like, if you say something loudly and annoyingly, people just believe it. Yeah. And so um, this battle is happening on the streets. It's also still happening in court. And Struder keeps being like, I have squatter's rights. For a while, he's like, I bought the deed from a man named John Scott, quotes, someplace in Michigan. I, if I had a nickel for every time. <laughs> um, but the longest running explanation Struder gave was that he had the land grant from President Grover Cleveland. Um, and he kind of like had that in his hand, waving it in front of judges for 25 years of this battle. Until a handwriting expert looked at, at it, like, on the witness stand in 1918, um, and they discovered, as the Chicago Tribune reported, lo and behold, the signature of Cleveland faded away, and there arose in its place the quaint and sturdy signature of President Martin Van Buren. Streeter's name vanished by a similar process, revealing the true grantee to have been Robert Kinsey, a pioneer Chicagoan. The judge ruled the document was and is a clumsy forgery. <laughs> My God. <laughs> so he literally just, like, wrote people's names, like, his name over this other guy's name and was like, this oh, is Oh, it legit. wasn't Grover Cleveland. It was, um, it was, uh, Robert Kinsey. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, whatever. He was the one who did it. Um, so that, one of the funniest things about this is it's clear the Chicago Tribune just, like, fucking love this guy. And so they have interviews with him, like, throughout his time battling the city of Chicago. Just him with his elbow up on the ship. Yeah. Like... <laughs> There, I read one thing where it was like, anytime it was a slow news day, they would just go to Captain Streeter and they would be like, what's going on with you? What have you been doing? Um, so Streeter spoke about his battle with the Tribune in 1901, saying he had, quote, an army bristling with rifles and bayonets and defending his assertion the land did not belong to his landlubber opponents or the city of Chicago or the state of Illinois. It was an autonomous entity with its own law and that law was his law. <laughs> Jesus. 
And as he put it, um, the district is mine. I discovered the district. Who was the first man? What? Who was the first man to know there was any land up there? Captain Streeter. Who was the first man to live there? Captain Streeter. Oh boy. Um, and so uh, it's just going on for literally years. Fairbanks sued Streeter in 1890 and won, but Streeter was like, I'm not going. <laughs> Can't they just like kill this man eventually? No, they really couldn't. Again, because, and also Streeter was smart. So he, he has control of the land and the people that he's letting live there are people that like don't really have anywhere else to go. So it's like, it's sex workers. It's people who are homeless. It's like people who are considered undesirable in like affluent Chicago. Oh, well, in that case, I'm kind of fine with that if he's making like a community of um, rent style hooligans. (laughs) I mean, he's making them pay him taxes and fight for him. That's fair. In exchange, which is still not great. Um, I just, I'm picturing from the musical Rent, like, we're, <laughs> we're not gonna pay rent, but we will pay taxes. <laughs> to Captain Streeter. <laughs> to Captain Streeter, the only authority that we recognize. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, he, he, they started kind of referring to the area of Streeterville. Um, Streeterville. <laughs> he keeps selling the land to prospective homeowners, and he also sells refreshments, alcoholic beverages, and snacks to people who just come to be like, what the fuck's going on? Like, he's literally making bank. It's like Disney World. It's literally like Disney World. Um, and then again, he keeps having clashes with the police among those wounded in a 1915 clash between the authorities and streeters, employees, and customers, um, as the Chicago Tribune reported were, um, Chris Mantis, proprietor of a popcorn stand in Streeterville, whose jaw was injured from a blow delivered by Patrolman Sullivan. And also Mrs. Nani Hulse described as an occupant of one of the wagon homes on Streeter's land who was shot in the hip by a cop. My God. And then the captain's wife, Maria, or Ma, as he called her, wounded a policeman who tried to arrest her for selling beer without a liquor license. So she was like, fuck off. I hear that, though. I know. Um, Streeter himself was wounded several times, and he spent some time behind bars. One of the prison's days was for the murder of a private security guard hired by Lakeshore property owners. But the authorities could never specify what Streeter's role in the murder was. They were just like... He fucking knows something about it. He's like Charles Manson. He's pulling the strings, but not pulling the trigger. And Streeter and his friends kept trying to get Fairbanks and his friends arrested, but that never happened because... How does this stop? You have to tell me how this stops. This only stops when Streeter dies. (laughs) The fuck? Yeah, so um, he fights for the land literally until his death in 1921. Um, he and his wife had, at that point, no longer been living in Streeterville. They had moved to East Chicago. But his heirs had continued to live there and kind of, like, fight for the battle for him. And they ultimately fought for the land until April of 1928, when finally the courts are like, you have to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. They no longer had the brave leadership of Captain Streeter. Um, and ironically enough... Despite all the bad blood, the mayor of Chicago attended Streeter's funeral. So clearly there was a level of like... Still bosom buddies. You fucker. And here's the craziest part and why I learned about him. That part of Chicago is still called Streeterville. And there is a statue of him as like one of the founding fathers of Chicago. Even though he was like... That is bananas. Filled a pit with trash and called it a sovereign nation. He is now... On the one hand, I don't like a rule breaker, Mm -hmm. and it seems very, like, kind of Trumpy of him to be like, well, this is mine. Yep. 
Um, but on the other hand, I love sticking it to hoity-toity rich people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm kind of divided. I know. And I'm kind of like, all right, do you. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's so wild. It's just such a wild story. The minute I heard it, I was like, I have to write this down because I am going to talk yeah, about this on the podcast. Absolutely. It reminds me of the book um, Frindle. Do you remember Frindle? No, I'm not familiar with Frindle. Really? Frindle. Oh, great book. Great book. Um, it's this like short paperback like chapter book mm-hmm. that I read when I was probably in like fourth or fifth grade. And it's about this kid who starts calling pens Frindles. Oh, I've made For no reason this. at all. And then everyone starts calling it a Frindle. And there's this one teacher who's like, this is ridiculous. But he's like, I just like, I've started a movement. Like, I don't know what else to say. Um, <laughs> that was Streeter. That's, yeah. And I, he's the protagonist of Frindle, so. There you go. Oh, boy. What a crazy man. I know. What a wild life. And yeah, yeah for sure, um, I feel like he and um, Belle. Belle wouldn't have, like, hung out a lot. But they would have seen each other at a party and been like, hey, I'm totally cool with, like, your whole deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? They would have vibed, but, Definitely like, from like a distance. Game recognized game, though. Game absolutely sure. recognizes game. What a fun Chicago-centric episode. I know, because <laughs> you just had such a nice fun time in Chicago. I did, I did. Um, but I'm happy to be back here in Boston, especially in time for next week, where you guys will hear our 100th episode. I cannot wait. We I'm have very some excited. fun stuff planned. We have some fun stuff planned. I literally can't wait. It's gonna I be can't a wait. Blast. I'm so excited. We're going to have 100 episodes. 100 episodes. We should, like, I'm not trying to be drunk for this episode. I would like to be sober so I can enjoy it. But we should crack, like, a bottle of champagne. We and, definitely like, should crack a bottle of champagne. As we chat. Or get some kind of fancy cake. I, we just ate a cake. I made a pineapple upside down cake um, yesterday. So it was we, delicious. We were eating that. I could make some other kind of um, delectable good that we could put on our Twitter account. Yeah. For everyone. You should put the recipe and then everyone can make it. <gasps> You know, tweet pictures of yourself eating our celebratory cake. That I definitely sounds sexual. Will. I won't say that. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, hundredth episode. Next Fun week. stuff coming. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Thank you guys for sticking with us. Yes, go through, fo- through this horrifying episode. I know, and go follow us on Twitter at I'm Horrified Pod because we'll be posting about our hundredth episode. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yay! But until next week, we hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified.